I'm talking today to the founder and CEO of the biggest Australian media company that you've probably never heard of. Jack Sanger is the boss of the Market Herald, who surprised the market by announcing that they were buying Gumtree, Cars Guide, and Auto Trader. The move makes them a big player in the classified advertising space. The Market Herald itself is a publication focusing on business news in both written and video form. They've got big ambitions, including a new weekly national business newspaper and a 24-hour business channel. The company also owns the gossipy investor forum, Hot Copper. I began by asking Jag how the company got to this point. Well, thank you. That's a good question. So um, right now, we're at about 110 people split between Australia and Canada. And I think one of the reasons why we're somewhat under the radar is uh, in Australia, we're based in Perth, which is perhaps not known as a hotbed of media. And in Canada, we're based in Vancouver. And I think one of the things that has happened, and it hasn't been a deliberate sort of uh, plan on our part, is that because we've we've built a, an audience which is uh, in Australia and it's in, in in Vancouver, but it's also sorry in, in Canada, but it's also very much a global audience, and we're building some uh, some activities which are outside of Australia. People haven't noticed who we are. Um, in Nielsen, always though, as a finance play, we've always been number one for impressions. Um, we always are delighted by the success of our legacy competitor, the AFR. And I think because there is a there is a misunderstanding sometimes of business media, people don't quite understand that we're here. But we're here, and you know we're growing very fast. Well, let's uh, in a moment we'll talk about the Market Herald now, um, and let's talk about the wider portfolio as well. So, you you, you also I'm not sure if the right the right phrase is to be owner of a community, but let's say it is. You're also the owner of a probably the best known finance community in hot copper. How do you think about that within the portfolio? Sure. So I think this is this is a very important important part of our journey and a very important part of how we think media organizations are evolving. So if we look at how media businesses worked, um, that once upon a time you would have, let's say, a newspaper, and then you would have classifieds, and then you know by accident you had a community, and classifieds made all the money. Community were people who sent you letters, and you know your your reason for being was the front page. Um, we are that almost an opposite. So. We have built digital communities uh, here in Australia. Hot Copper is easily the largest community for uh, stock market investors. In Canada, Stockhouse is easily the largest community for uh, for, finance, for uh, stock market investors as well. So we own two of the largest communities. We're in that process of um, acquiring classifieds. We are we're bucking the trend there, and it's a very important of our business. And the punchline is that we will be re- releasing uh, broadsheet business newspapers, national business newspapers in this country and in other countries. It will be the first uh, launch of a national business newspaper in this country since what 1962. There's only two national newspapers in this country. We hope to be the third. But this community is incredibly important for us because one, it gives us readers. It allows us to turn some of the economics of journalism on its head, and I'm happy to talk about how that works. Uh, But it's where we find out what people want to read. We want to find out what people want to view. And that community is a source of petabytes of data for us, which drives our data-led journalism. Well, let's, there's several interesting things there that I'll, 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 I'll try and unpick, particularly the, um, 
launch of a, 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 a news uh, a, a, a news masthead um, of in, in 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 print from what I think you're saying. Um, let's just uh, talk for a moment about the Market Herald and that's model because I'm 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 I, 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 <laughs> I'm amused with your labelling the AFR as your legacy competitor. And fair enough. Um, how do you think about your publishing ethos for the Market Herald? Well, firstly, just to talk about the Financial Review, I used to work for Fairfax. I used to run media and strategy there. A huge affection for uh, the AFR and all its people. And as they write about us often, I suspect that we're forever in their thoughts as well. So uh, we love them to bits. You're referring there to your occasional uh, your occasional appearances in the rear window column of the AFR. You know, one day I'll break out of rear window and they'll celebrate what we're doing somewhere else in the book and, and it'll be a happy day for us all. But no, no, we, we, we like them and we think they're doing good work. Um, in terms of um, the Market Herald, uh, just repeat the question. What was the question for the Market Herald? Yeah, so the, the the Market Herald, how do you, what's your publishing ethos for the Market Herald? Sure. So w- one of the things that we think is really important as a news outlet and as a, as a media proposition in a world which is very noisy, with many audiences and huge fragmentation, all the stuff that we that we know, is to have a very, very clear sense of who your reader or viewer is to understand why they want to read and view you and then make a very, very quick decision. Are you in the utility news business or are you in the must-read, must-know news business? We think utility news is is going to a handful of publishers worldwide. There will be these global giants. But in this must-read world, what we do is help people make decisions in a short period of time without all the information, with a financial consequence, and we give them that information quickly. So our classic reader is a, you know, to be horribly gendered for a second, a 55-year-old man who wants to buy a you know, $10,000 worth of Telstra stock. Should I do it? Should I not do it? In that moment, we provide that information to them. But again, to be horribly gendered, the other kind of buyer we have is an equally intelligent and often smarter 25-year-old woman who's thinking about spending 10 grand on a used Chanel handbag. She also has information needs. She also needs to know it in real time, and we serve both those audiences. So by giving people information they need when they're in state, and this is, this is a, a very specific language that we use, we're ultimately a data business, when we track this degree of almost psychological arousal for why they must know, we are there, and that's what the Market Herald is about. And this is both in the written word and in video. Absolutely. So I think uh, video is very interesting for us. So we are easily one of the largest standalone uh, streamers in this country of broadcast quality content. Uh, We are running at around 9 to 11 million streams a month here in Australia and elsewhere. But to understand how people consume media, how they consume video, how how they consume the written word, that's something we spend a lot of time and effort actually working out. But that's what we get from the communities we own. That's something you just mentioned was that you plan on launching a financial broadsheet, which was uh, was new information for me. I probably missed an announcement at some point. What is your plan there? Sure. So we said this right from the beginning, that we consider ourselves a newspaper and that we consider that there is a viable business model for something as, you know, we, we think is as beautiful and as amazing as a newspaper. And we think as a, as a product, as a cultural artifact, as a revenue stream, as a reason for being, it's really important to us. And it's something we will be launching soon. And that's as a daily offering? 
No, I think if you look at the way that business media is running around the world, um, it is a let's say a Monday through Thursday digital offer, which is, you know, kind of what most even print newspapers are doing. And then the weekend offer, which is a, a, a very interesting revenue earner and a very different proposition at the weekend for most of the big business press, that will be in print. It will be something which will have the kind of cover mounts and the inserts that you have in traditional business news. Uh, but the two will complement each other. Uh, we think a business audience at the weekend looks, feels, consumes differently, and will serve them as well. And this will be available nationally? It will be available nationally. We're working out our print runs and our plans right now. Um, we've been talking about this uh, several times, and I think it's an important part of the portfolio that we have. We believe here in Australia, we're already number one for online finance news. We are easily number one for business finance, TV streaming news, and print is an amazing complement to both of them. Fascinating. And last question on that one. Have you yet set a cover price? So it's a very interesting series of uh, conversations that we're having. Uh, all I can say is it will definitely be at a premium. Okay. Um, now, uh, I, I suppose one of the other things which which interests me about the business model for your portfolio is that some of the business model um, includes taking uh, effectively shares in some of your advertising clients as they grow their businesses. How does that side of things work? So there's two ways to look at it. Uh, we have a small amount of what exactly what, say, News Corp does or Seven West does, which is contra. So uh, you want to buy X, well, we'll do it in this way. And so some of it is that kind of conversation. So this, for instance, would be like where Seven West Ventures had stake in Airtasker, for instance. Correct. So they, they had a stake in Airtasker. They had a stake in, or they they recently taken a stake in Car Expert, which is uh, a, a property which we admire greatly and we do some things differently to that but we're kind of in that space so very similar to that model and it's something that you know the contra deals people have been doing this since the 50s we kind of get that we do some of that as well but the other thing that we do is because we have a large business audience one of the areas which we focus on and, and we see some of our competitors moving into it as well and, and we think we have different propositions is to provide a uh, an opportunity for listed companies and wealth brands to speak to affluent audiences now uh, for these businesses often which they're smaller they can be private or they can be listed we allow them to pay their, their fees or their costs to us for billings in stock we don't manage these portfolios it's not it's not held as a way of making money just simply a cash flow mechanism for smaller businesses and sometimes we win and sometimes we lose and every time we're indifferent because it's not about making money on those portfolios it's just simply a way of reaching different kinds of advertisers who may not yet have funds but who we believe in and presumably some of this content that you then create for these people is what, you know, the phrase has gone out of fashion a bit, but would have previously been called advertorial or native advertising. Um, how do you ensure the independence of your general reporting on business versus your coverage of those clients? So one of the things that we do here, which is really interesting, is our editorial team and our newsroom they do not know what is a paying client and what isn't. That's the first thing. The second, when it comes to native, advertorial, and sponsored, one of the things that we are almost you know, religiously fixated on is if it's sponsored, it says sponsored at the top in big 
eight point, you know, in twelve point font. It's orange, and it's clear that it's sponsored. And our word is sponsored is if we have been paid for it, or if there's been any degree of editorial sign off from a client, then it says sponsored. What we don't do is to um, do what, for example, Forbes do, where you, you know, I think th- th- there is potentially an opportunity to, or rather. Uh, a situation where you may begin to devalue some of your trust where sponsored is called something else. What we don't do is use the word special report, which again, some of our peers do. And what we absolutely don't do, which is what some of our you know, other competitors do, which is to you know, barely mention it at all. So the way that we do it is to be very much on the sunny side of the street. We do work with clients. We do advertorial and native sponsorship, but it says sponsored if it's sponsored. Well, um, you're about to make, certainly from where I'm um, sitting, looks like the biggest move in the history of the company so far, which is acquiring Gumtree, Cars Guide, Auto Trader. Uh, why? So I think there's a handful of reasons. First of all, um, the, the kind of prescription we had for the sort of uh, business media or any kind of media, how it was, is you had the front of the book, let's just take a newspaper, you have the front of the book, which is where your reputation sits. You have the back page, which is sports, which is where your readers sit, because it's entertainment. But somewhere towards the back, you had those uh, traditional rivers of gold. You had those classified sections, which paid for the whole shooting match. All journalism has always been sponsored, but usually it was sponsored by small ads for cars and houses and jobs. Um, well known to everybody, everybody knows this, uh, but over the last 10, 20, 25 years, those classified, those classified sections have migrated out of newspapers and they become standalone businesses by themselves. So you have a very interesting situation where you take, for example, Nine in this country, uh, which is a $4 billion business. Well, 3.5 these days. They've not had a good couple of weeks. Uh, we, we, I, I think um, you know, there, there, there's some travails for everybody. Uh, but I think we like to go with four. Um, the, um, uh, but you then look at the largest real estate listing site, the largest car site, the largest job site, and they have an aggregate valuation of $40 billion plus. 10 times bigger than the largest media business, they own no journalists. So from our perspective, um, the largest general classified site in this country is Gumtree. It's a brand which 90% of this country knows. There's a degree of affection and warmth to that brand, and to build something of that scale and reach would cost us hundreds of millions of dollars. So the first thing is we're back in classifieds, and we're back in classifieds with a vengeance. Number two, the opportunity to build other products around that audience, especially in terms of streaming video, especially transactional streaming video are huge. Uh, you know, great announcement from news this, I think this week or last week about um, in-video uh, commerce, and that's something that we are probably going to be natural leaders in. And then the final thing is it gives a scale. So instead of reaching, you know, uh, a million, a million and a half typically male, typically wealth, typically uh, Eastern states, um, we've now got a, uh, an audience which is almost one in two economically active adults in this country. We think we have great editorial opportunities with that and um, it gives us classifieds, it gives us what we need structurally and it gives us huge reach. That's why we did it. And there's a you, you're already obviously that 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 plays you into a couple of classified verticals. Are there others you'd be interested in acquiring or launching into? And I guess I'm I'm thinking about jobs and real estate, which are obviously lucrative but also quite competitive. 
So I think that uh, this is a really good question. I think there are one or two categories where we are um, in a very, very well positioned. And one of those is autos. So uh, against car sales who we admire and who we like and who we know very well, against car sales, we now have similar traffic uh, over recent years. Uh, the business, this is the Gumtree business, has consolidated the second, third, and fourth largest competitor to car sales. One of those is Cars Guide, which you know I was on the board of, and we know it very well. And um, you know we 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 think we have a red hot chance in cars. Uh, to put this in context, um, we've got similar traffic for private party cars. You know people selling their own cars. We're, we're bigger than car sales. For some aspects of dealer, we're kind of at a similar level. Some of the things structurally, we're in possibly a better position for um, uh, car sales is a six, seven billion dollar business. So we think there's a huge amount of opportunity there. Um, for some other areas, I'm not sure if the brand travels naturally, so we won't push it. Uh, but because we're number one in general classifieds, we actually aggregate, you know, several thousand categories. And within those categories, always some gems, and we'll put our time and effort into those. Now, you're also looking to play yourself into the, uh, I, I suppose, consumer lifestyle space with the launch of Market Herald Fancy. How are you thinking about that? So if you, if you look at um, how business media used to work, um, and this is, this is you know, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Financial Times, let's say the AFI here, uh, if you pick up, you know, the newspaper on a on a Friday or a Saturday, you know, the book will have forty eight pages, fifty two pages, and it will have, you know, maybe two or three ads. We like to think that, you know, business newspapers took the ads out to make them easier to read. But on a Saturday or a Sunday, uh, that same book will have three inserts in it, and there will be seventy four, seventy six pages. And there will be 60% full page, full color, glossy. And they're carrying ads for high ticket, consumer, high engagement, but in infrequent purchases. So it's travel and jewelry and you know, luxury and all that kind of thing. Um, Fancy is in the same vein of that. Um, probably the, co- the closest comp would probably be How to Spend It, which is from the Financial Times. Uh, how to spend it is now probably 30% of the EBIT of the entire Financial Times business. Uh, if you look at the Wall Street Journal, they have Penta. Uh, if you look at, uh, sorry, if they, yeah, they have Penta. Uh, the New York Times has a T magazine. It, it's very similar. It's a way of selling um, uh, product and uh, introducing very, very affluent audiences, which are hard to reach to high-end brands. That's something we're doing. Now, you're also looking ever more closely at the streaming space as well. Um, uh, 24-hour streaming with your your ambitions for the, the Market Herald with TMH1. Um, how will you go about that? So one of, our, one of the things that we do very well is, and, and this is something that we talk about and we're very open about and it's very much hidden in plain sight, is we've created a different kind of multi-platform journalism. So, uh, and everybody says that, but our, but our newsrooms look different, they act different, and they run different. But we begin at the plumbing layer. We're ultimately plumbers. So we have built and plumbed a different kind of newsroom, not hired for a different kind of newsroom. So we're multi-platform from the beginning. Our workflows editorially link into our news gathering and production for video. 
our video streaming, um, you know, we're one of the largest streaming publishers in Asia Pacific. Certainly, you know, we're told that by our streaming partners and we've built our own player. So what that basically means is we can uh, produce high quality broadcast content, broadcast quality content. We're not terrestrial, but we can do it maybe at 20% of the cost of terrestrial. Now, that ability to take that um, sort of infrastructure and apply it to different kinds of business and then lifestyle programming absolutely is something that we're focused on and is something we'll be talking about more you know, in the next few months. We've committed to launching a streaming channel called TMH1. We're definitely on track and you know, we look forward to getting that out of the traps very soon. And would you see that as a potential competitor to the likes of Ausbiz, for instance? So I think, um, you know, Kylie, we have a uh, huge affection and time for. Um, I think that uh, she's Kylie probably, Merritt, who runs Ausbiz. Correct. Yeah, I think, look, it's very interesting. Uh, if you look at the uh, most of the business TV experiments in this country have failed. If you look at CNN Digital, which was, uh, you know, it was touted as being one of the biggest uh, sort of changes to CNN for many, many years. They spent two years on it. They spent $300 million and they pulled it after six weeks. And if you look at the uh, the uh, failed experiments in the UK right now, which have been, you know, GB News and, and a handful of others. Well, in defense of GB News, they are beginning to find an audience now, I think. You are correct. There are some programs on some slots which have more than zero viewers, which was a challenge for them for some time, right? So uh, I give you that. They have got at least one viewer for most of their slots now. Uh, it took a while. But I think that we've learned a lot from those failed experiments. And I think that that model which was embodied in so many people which was a terrestrial workflow but somehow tweaked for streaming we don't believe that works we think a ground up integrated workflow is the way to do it and presumably the rise of connected tvs is one of the factors that makes this the timely moment to do so I think that the opportunity for connected tv is um, both much greater than people think but will take much longer to get there. So I think that the, uh, the, uh, the, the ability to wrap an idea of programmatic TV, which is how advertisers think about connected TV or always on TV or TV everywhere, doesn't quite match the reality of how people engage with that content. And one of the really interesting opportunities and realities of business television on, 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 on big screens, especially streaming business television, is more business TV is walked past in lobbies than watched in seats. So we're there. We're thinking about it closely. Um, we have learned a lot from the failed experiments of many of the other sort of terrestrial to streaming formats, and we hopefully will get it right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to find it very soon, but we're very confident. So you're raising something like $27 million at the moment from your existing shareholders. Um I noticed there's a slight delay in getting that stock back up and trading on the ASX. Um, certainly, as, as as we're we're talking, I think it was about an hour expecting, but maybe there'll be a another week's delay or so. Um, what's the reason for that change in timings? Uh, first of all, the the uh, rights rate, sorry, the rights issue was incredibly well supported. Um, we have had uh, all of our existing shareholders take it up, especially institutional shareholders. We'll be announcing who some of those are very soon, which will be very interesting because some of them move past certain thresholds. Uh, there was the uh, unfortunate death of a monarch this week, which doesn't happen often, and that has delayed our timings. And then there's this big uh, sort of kicking and jumping game that happens in Victoria. So uh, for those two reasons, the timings were pushed out very slightly. 
uh, but we are in a, a, a hugely pleased by how successful the raising was. And um, there are a number of other things that we have to do to finance this transaction, but everything is on track. Now, the organization has uh, a turnover approaching 30 million. The normalized EBITDA, um, I seem to remember, as being about five or six million. Um, in your last annual report, current debt was about seven million. Usually, the the markets like the ratio of the the debt to be below the EBITDA. Um, after the raising, where are you expecting your debt to sit? So I think that we put forward a pro forma in our raising documents, and we expect to be about 120 ish million dollars revenue. We expect to be at around 20 million dollar EBITDA. Excuse uh, <clears throat> me. We're not giving guidance on either. Uh, we are raising debt, and there's a number of different things that um, that will come into play there. But it's also worth saying that uh, typically for a media business in the growth phase that we're in, and we're growing you know, incredibly quickly each year, the uh, the ratio of debt to our market cap is often more significant. And it'd be fair to say that we are uh, somewhat undervalued at this moment. We're very conscious of that. And the reason for that is that we're very tightly held. So, you know, one of the things that's happened in this rights issue is most of our shareholders, most of our, well, nearly all of our additional investments come from existing shareholders, which means there's not a lot of stock in the market. But for all kinds of reasons, as we grow, that will change. Our valuation will change. Uh, clearly, we're not making any forward-looking statements, but I think a re-rate would possibly be on the cards at some point. At that point, you know, we do things differently. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about your background. You've touched on some of this already. You you actually found your way into the media uh, with with ITV, which is the biggest um, commercial broadcaster in the UK, um, which are uh, back in 1989, uh, which would have been before it was one ITV, I guess. So uh, what was it that interested you in media in the first place? So look, I think it's really interesting. So, um, so first of all, LWT is, I think, one of the most uh, interesting broadcasters in the world at the time, and certainly was, and it was absolutely that kind of um, stepping stone between this kind of post-war Rethian public service and the brave new world of selling things. And there are so many um, uh, sort of innovations that happened there uh, that a lot of you know terrestrial TV around the world learnt from what happened at LWT, but nobody's heard about LWT because it's such a long time ago because I'm so old. London Weekend Television. I know, I know that it was. Once upon a time, you only saw it at the weekends. Um, no, I, I was um, uh, I was incredibly fortunate at that time to get a great job, which was carrying bags and you know getting people's tea and all that kind of thing. Uh, but to me, it was actually quite fascinating. So I remember so vividly at that time, I earned the grand sum of I think about I don't know a few hundred dollars, a few hundred pounds a week. Uh, and uh, you know, thirty years later, a runner in Central London still earns three hundred pounds a week. So it's <laughs> changed, and it hasn't. Uh, you, you you then went through cable television and also uh, consulting with McKinsey and later with PwC. Um, and along the way, as you, you've already mentioned, um, two years at Fairfax, which I think was two thousand and six to two thousand and eight, which was probably when things there were at the most panicked and desperate as the newspaper model went away. What what did you learn from that? Well, look, if I think I reflect on all of those experiences, uh, uh, I, my, you know, I began to work first in probably the world's most significant and interesting broadcast, which doesn't exist anymore. And then I worked at Videotron, which, which was the most important European cable business, which doesn't exist anymore. 
And then, of course, uh, CableTel, which literally consolidated European cable. That doesn't exist anymore. And then I came here and worked a bit for Fairfax, which doesn't exist anymore. So your conclusion could be you're a desperately unlucky kind of guy, Jack, which would be one <laughs> conclusion. Or uh, I've seen a lot of things, and we kind of know what works and what doesn't work, and hopefully we're applying some of those lessons. So without giving any uh, forward-looking guidance, um, what is your take on the economic outlook for media generally at the moment? I think that um, one of the really interesting things is uh, the growth of the streamers and the decline of the streamers. The way that audiences are going to continue to fragment, but media won't care. And then the really uh, interesting opportunity in business media, and clearly I'm talking about a book because we're in business media. Uh, we think the growth and the decline of the streamers is that the you know the munificence of Netflix, and then that short period of existential land grab for anybody, grossly distorted uh, production around the world. We we can see that tide flowing out, and it will change a lot of things very quickly. Fragmentation of audience, no one's actually going to care because it's as fragmented as it's going to get. There's enough micro audiences and smart people will realize that there's a difference between utility, everything will be everywhere at the same time, and super, super niche, and the super, super niche will, will thrive. And then with business, one of the one of the things that we are very conscious of is we attract in large numbers some of the most affluent, influential, engaged, curious, and hard-to-reach audiences on the planet. And unlocking that, getting closer to transactional outcomes, means good business programming, coverage, news will always attract an audience, and that audience is more valuable than people think. Just finally, um, for the Market Herald, obviously we, you're doing the big acquisitions now, Gumtree, Cars Guide, and Auto Trader. Um, is that likely to be it for the short and medium term in terms of acquisitions, or do you see more down the track as well? If you look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll say you'll see that uh, I say I'm an M and A guy in media, so I would assume that we will do more of both. And you know, this is a platform transaction, which as we publicly said, uh, gives us the opportunity and hopefully the right to do more going forward. And look, and I and I, I did say it was the last question, but I have thought of just one more actually, which is 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 inspired by by you being the M and A guy. I'd love to know what you do think about that wider media, wider media landscape on why these big mergers haven't happened yet, because it felt like two years ago, maybe even just prior to um, the pandemic everything was set for some of the big beasts to come together. Um, has has that world changed or, or or are we still going to see that, do you think? Look, I think, I think there's probably two big reasons. Number one is um, the history of outside-in M&A in media is not good. So if you look at, let's take Australia for a second, if you look at Nine, if you look at Ten, look at Bauer, um, the the winner was the seller, and I think that it's uh, it's an interesting opportunity to, to to perhaps reflect on some of the reasons why. The second is um, when you look at the shifting priority of non financial uh, strategic buyers, it's very different. You know, media is not a fast growth business for some of these people unless you do things very differently, and that then means that the future will be driven very much by um, uh, non trade financial buyers, and those guys are going to be much more operationally focused. They look a lot more like we do. 
And uh, we think that's the kind of player which will begin to consolidate some of these big beasts. Jack, thank you very much indeed for your time. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's it from the Unmade podcast for today. If you aren't already signed up to the Unmade email, you can do so at unmade.media. Today's podcast was edited by our friends at Abe's Audio. I'm Tim Burrows, and I'll be back with more soon. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.